this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. And welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and we're continuing our celebration of Pride Month with a look at the show, Our Flag Means Death. And this was an episode that I decided to do after some very lovely nudging from my panelists that are on today. So I am excited to talk about this. This was a first time watch for me, and I did like it. But I have returning from our pop culture and fandom news episode, I have the hosts of Bedwetter Behead podcast, Carla and Meg, Susie and Tanya. Uh, well, Susie and Tanya aren't part of Bedwetter Behead, but they- <laughs> that would be such a wild <laughs> podcast of four hosts. <laughs> I thought you said four hoes, and I was like, well, okay then. All right. In different area codes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, But first, I'm going to let you know what our flag means death is about. And also, spoiler warning, we are going to be spoiling season one. So if you haven't watched season one, go watch it on HBO Max. No, I am not calling it the other thing yet. I just can't. I can't do it. But this is from IMDb, remember. So I actually don't think this one is that bad. But remember, sometimes the descriptions, you know. But I'm going to give you an overview of what our flag means death is. The year is 1717. Wealthy landowner Steed Bonnet has a midlife crisis and decides to blow up his cushy life to become a pirate. It does not go well, based on a true story. (laughs) Um, This was created by David Jenkins, and it stars Reese Darby as Steed Bonnet, Joel Fry as Frenchie, Samson K.O. as Olawande, Nathan Foyad as Lush, Lucius, sorry, Luscious. <laughs> he would appreciate it. Yeah, he I would know. agree. He, he, he decides slip. to carry himself like he's Luscious. <laughs> yeah. It does fit. Matthew Mayer, Meyer as Black Pete, Christian Nairn as Wee John Finney. I'm going in order on here, so that's why I haven't said Blackbeard yet, by the way, if people are listening and wondering why I haven't. Um, Samba Shoot as Roach, Ewan Bremer as Buttons, Con O'Neill as Izzy Hands, Vico Ortiz as Jim, and Taika Waititi as Blackbeard. I know there are other people, but I'm going to stop there. (laughs) Otherwise, we'll be here all day just talking about who's in this cast, and that would be a boring podcast. So what we're first going to start out with, though, 
And I know this is a cheesy way of rating it. I was trying to come up with a better one, but I kind of, but I'm like, no, no, we're going to go this way. So I first want to know, Carla, I already think I know your answer to this, but I'm going to ask anyway. On a scale of one to five pirate ships, what is your rating for our flag means death? Ahoy, mateys. <laughs> I would like to rate this 17, 17 ships out of 10. Gosh, Aaron. Um, <laughs> no, that really tickled me, obviously. <laughs> okay. And Meg, beat that. No. Uh, yeah, I'm going to rate this seven C's out of five ships. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Susie. Beat, beat both of those. Are this be a dinghy? <laughs> a st- <laughs> I just, I just, it'd be not a dinghy. It'd be a whole damn armada. Yes. Love it. But like the fun pirate kind, not the pirate hunter kind. Cause like we hate the British. Yes. And the Spanish. Colonizers. Boo. And Tanya. Wait, I, I don't know, but I'm going to go with like 10 unique, amazing, fully erect flags. Is that Ooh. full, full mast? <laughs> okay, good. Carla got that. Uh, no, everyone else was just, we're just going to go past that. There's a dick joke already. <laughs> Stay tuned. Yes. And I have a, you can't, for people who cannot see me, which is all of you, except for <laughs> I have a very tiny, amazing espresso cup and I've had four espressos. No, I'm sorry. I've had, yes, four espressos and two coffees. So. <laughs> This is going to be the Tanyaist of Tanyas yes. that we ever get. Do this. Are <laughs> you Pedro Pascal? Yes. I, I see why my homie channels this if he's been around small children. Maybe he's babysitting Oscar Isaac's kids. I don't know. But we digress. That could be it. Well, <laughs> I'm not going to be as clever. But um, and, and do not leave when I say – because I do like this show. But I give it a four out of five. Uh, pirate chips that does not mean i don't love it it's a good rating my gosh oh, how how do you divorce someone you're not even married to hold on i need to google this yeah i think you need to get a pirate ship yeah yeah and you get on a pirate ship and you leave that's how you that's yeah. how it's done that's uh or <laughs> i am setting sail on fitter seas i can see that i my real answer would have been nine of ten like i i, I would take one point away for a couple of things so fair enough there you go <laughs> don't be mad at me i love it too is it the nose tanya no i don't know the what it jar. is i think the there's like i i think the first don't yell at me i do love it the first couple episodes were a little meh for me to be honest like i think it took three episodes to get for it to like take over my life. Um, and so that's why the one, but that's, that's fair. I mean, you have to kind of get there. That's okay. <laughs> I mean, it's not, a, that's not a bad rating. So it's like, <laughs> no, there's no, I don't, okay. I don't know that I'm I, only smiling through my tears. The only, there's nothing, nothing gets a 10 of 10 from me. I'm a professor. I have to take points away for something or I'm not doing my job. <laughs> so, Carla, if you want to give just your overall thoughts on the cast and characters, and you can name one favorite. All right. 
well, the cast and the characters. It's amazing what, what good casting can do. And in this show, they have found an amazing group of people who have such great chemistry together and who really gel well. It, it's a rare thing, I think, for as, as much as we think about, oh, there's so many great ensemble shows. We neglect to think of all of the ensemble shows that fail because of the lack of chemistry between the characters. And particularly with the crew, everybody works so well together. And so many pieces fit that you might be like, why and how? And why am I still watching as well? Just look at the way that Roach is so enthusiastic about the weirdest things and that Black Pete and Lucius have this, what would seem like an unlikely romance. Frenchie being so subvertively, subvertively um, brilliant. This is Frenchie, I think, is a character who, if he had access to, to the education that he should have had access to, would be like incredibly dangerous in the best way. There's so much to be said about Oluwande and how just fantastic this character is. Jim is unbelievably dangerous, but also so driven, but also very into their own thing. But still, like Jim is like the one person who is reluctantly part of the of the group. But you can't imagine the group without Jim. And just everybody else, you know, from Buttons to the Swede to, um, I don't even remember who, who I'm missing. Oh, yeah. Um, we, John, they, everybody contributes something very special to the whole. So, and then you talk about like the bigger players. You talk about, let's start with Izzy Hands and the playing the, um, the neglected wife trope to the best effect where it's like you're, you're losing your, your husband and he's acting weird around this new person and freaking out about it. But it's played by Con O'Neill, who is just so mind blowing. So mind blowing. After watching the show, I watched clips of Con doing, I, I can't remember the, the name of it, but playing um, a trans woman on, on another show and bringing a lot of that same energy to that performance but you you see so many more flavors and nuances in it that you that then you see in this which is already pretty nuanced and and i to me complex and of course we have steed and aid whose chemistry is just unbelievable and these are not like 20 something studs you know, and their supposed prime. These are both middle-aged men who are going through things and they're going through some really deep, profound, angst-ridden crises in their lives. And the way that they deal with that and then deal with each other and their feelings towards that and each other. So the the, the casting in this is beyond phenomenal. If I had to pick a favorite, I couldn't simply because there's just too much wonderfulness on, on this cast. So yeah, I, I don't think I'm going to pick a favorite. I, I just don't think that, that the show really works that way for me. I, I think that 
even with the, the, the wonderfulness of the, the main ship itself of Ed and Steed, it wouldn't work the same without Lucius's involvement. And Lucius and Black Pete don't work the same without that scene with Wee John and, um, and Izzy and so on and so forth. The closest I think might be either Frenchie or Roach. And that's simply because they bring a very specific and very different type of comedic element to it that I think is brilliant and understated. And that in lesser hands would be hammy and weird, but they, they really have a subtle touch to it that, um, that makes it so much more enjoyable than it ought to be. And Meg. Uh, yeah, I'm going to, again, second everything. <laughs> Carla said, I think this cast is fantastic. I, I agree that the chemistry between all of the cast, all of these characters is what really makes the show work so much. I love to hate Izzy. I love to see that characters really interesting thoughts and feelings about Blackbeard versus Ed and how Steed has kind of come in and just destroyed his whole perfect pirating life. I just, I think every single one of these characters brings something really, really valuable and important to, to the table and, and to this ship. I am going to name a favorite, even though I have like four or five favorites. But if I had to pick one, it'd be really tough to do it. But I'm probably going to say Ola one day. I think he is so loyal and so caring. And the way he protects and, and stands by Jim or anything like that, those are not the correct words that I want to use. Um, but that loyalty to Jim and their relationship with each other and watching that kind of blossom and grow is really fun. He's just really sweet. He's He's not going to you know, mutiny against Steed because Steed reads him stories. <laughs> so Buttons, I adore Buttons and Carl and and this relationship that he has with this seagull. I think the only character I really don't like is Jack. And and I just mostly because I like him, I like to hate him, but he's just the worst also at the same time. Uh, Will Arnett is fantastic as him. <laughs> yes, his whip skills are amazing. He's coming in the between Steed and Ed, which I wasn't a fan of, you know, all the normal ship stuff. But I think I just I love them all. And they don't they don't work without each other. I feel like there's not a single character on this show that if you took them away, wouldn't damage the show. Frenchie is amazing. He's like a like honestly. All of them are my favorites, but like, it's really hard to pick one. And every time I'm looking at this cast list while I'm talking, I'm changing my mind about who my favorite character is. So I think that really says something. And I just want to say I'm so excited for Reese Darby to finally get the recognition he deserves for his comedic chops because he's been around for a while and he's hilarious. And I'm just, I'm very excited for him to really kind of get that recognition and get that popularity that he deserves. And I think Samba Shoot, who plays Roche, has been one of the most fun cast members 
to interact with as a fan because they're just everyone on the show seems to be really, really into it and super excited to be there. And you can tell by how fun it is to watch and how engaging and heartbreaking it is. So that's kind of my, my cast thought. And again, I'm sorry. I'm a little distracted at the moment. No, that's okay. It's okay. Um, Susie. I love the dynamics within the show. I love that with, we get a first few episodes of seeing how steed works with his crew and then we get the introduction of blackbeard and some of his crew and then we get to see how those relationships develop either for the better or for maybe like not the greatest like there is some headbutting there and having this like one thing that i loved about the show is having that confirmation that steed and blackbeard do like each other and also having just okay this leads into who my like i love all these characters i think they're all great like everyone on the revenge is so funny and (laughs) they're just delightful like it there's oh i just like it's it's been said before i love me some himbos and this is this is like good himboness like at sea and i love that so much it's a lot of fun but one of my personal favorite characters is jim Jim was like the very first one of the very first instances that I ever saw at least personally as a like have this person be Latina, queer and non-binary like that was the first representation I've ever seen and it was I feel like it was done really well especially when they're having the talk with the crew and they're like are you Jim or can I be Jim? And they're like, no, I'm Jim. Like, I'm I'm just Jim, guys. Like, shut up. And it was okay, okay, Jim. You're just Jim. All right, cool. And then they just like kept going with it. And I I love that. And like their relationship with Uluwande and and kind of we get to see bits of that and the progression of that. And I just I really liked it and I just really like Jim as a character. And I just love Virgo Ortiz as a person <laughs> they're just fabulous and amazing and i just love them so much and i like i really appreciate them and i love having this like representation out there not only for myself but for others who we don't feel like we really get it or see it a lot and it's there now we have some and hopefully this opens the door to more because it's great and yeah. That's kind of where I'm at. <laughs> I'm just going to end up there before I get too emotional and start crying. No, no, that was, that was beautiful. Thank you, Susie. And Tanya. I mean, I changed my name to gentle person pirate Tanya. So I think I should be earlier in the order. Just, <laughs> I'm just saying that. No, I'm kidding. It's, <laughs> it's all great. Great commentary. You, uh, you love a cast that looks like they're having fun and enjoying each other's company and appreciating each other's work. And whether that's true or not, you feel that uh, from this show. And I think any show where you feel like you want to be in this group of people, or you want to go to that place, any show that can achieve that for me is a winner. And I think part of what has attracted so many people to this show is the representation of found family or created family, right? This group of people that are from different worlds, different walks of life, but when they get together, they come to think of each other as family. And I think you can see that uh, Steed is very intentionally 
and even voices that this is my family, you know, at one point. And so as much as I identify with Steed and the sort of the deranged Pinkie Pie-ness that he has, Pinkie Pie the My Little Pony of wanting everybody to have a good time and everybody to be their best self, a little bit Ted Lasso in that way. Um, uh, my favorite character is actually Frenchie. And I'm really happy to have Frenchie get a lot of love on this uh, because I am a sucker for comedic relief. And that episode where Frenchie and Olawande pull the, the pyramid scheme, <laughs> that was just, I rewatched that one. If I'm having a bad day, it's a great episode. There's just, you know, those episodes of TV that are just perfect. And to me, that's right up there. Uh, it's one of my favorite, not just episodes of the series, but of television, like period. So wonderful. Yeah. I love all the cast and the characters. And one thing I want to say is one thing that the reason that I hesitated so long to watch this show is because I am not a big period piece fan. I don't, I'm not a big fan of things that take place in, in this time period. But the reason I like this show is that it doesn't it doesn't take that time period. There's serious stuff going on, but it doesn't take that time period to that overly uh, like serious way, if that makes sense. And it feels more, much more relatable. And the fact that it's also very diverse in the cast and in the characters makes a difference. And it's funny. And that makes a difference too. Uh, so, and I think the the score is fantastic. The use of contemporary music is is really well is really well done as well. So, I really enjoy all of these characters. Meg mentioning that Olawande wearing the Crocs, yes, that was hilarious. That was hilarious. And I mean, Olawande is probably my favorite, but it is hard to pick a favorite. I do agree among these. And I did want to just quickly, and I and I I am. I really was like, I am going to definitely, because you have to keep scrolling down, mention, but I wanted to give a shout out also to Leslie Jones as Spanish Jackie and Fred Armisen as Geraldo, because just fantastic characters. And I, and I want to say with, with Spanish Jackie and with Leslie Jones, I was just watching, there's a show on Peacock where, um, oh my gosh, how am I forgetting her name? I'll just say quickly while you're looking for that, I'll stall for time. I'm good at that. There's great cameos, like you mentioned, Leslie Jones, or like smaller recurring roles that are just excellent and kind of end up making like Will Arnett. I had to look up who that was. I did not recognize Will Arnett at first, um, but that's such a fun cameo when he shows up too. I mean, yeah. fun to dislike. Calico so. Jack, what yeah. a monster. No, the real villain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Laverne Cox hosts a show on Peacock where she talks to a bunch of amazing people. And when she was talking to Leslie Jones about this character and Leslie Jones said, this was the first time where I felt like, Oh, I'm desirable because I have all these different husbands and how important that was. So um, just wanted to shout out that character for that importance as well. So that's another, another step of, of representation too to show you know, showing a a black woman who's dark skinned, who's thought of as like a, a sexy, sexy woman in a show that's very, very rare that you see that, and someone that's not like a size two. So that was very, very important and important for her. So I just wanted to make sure to shout that out because I 
appreciated watching that yesterday. And I do recommend watching that show too. It's really very, very fascinating interviews and really amazing human beings. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And leading into our next topic with the importance of, I mean, it's so silly to ask why it's so important, but it's not silly at the same time. But the LGBTQIA plus representation and with the character of Jim being non-binary and then also having an actor that is non-binary playing them is also very important. And then also very, very important is having non-binary writers writing for them as well. So we're going to talk about that because I think that's a huge reason why this show is so popular and so loved is because of the amount of good representation. So Carla, what are your thoughts on all of that? And if you're comfortable sharing, what impact has the representation had on you personally? I'm going to start backwards with the impact because I think it's so important that, and I'm not saying that it's not great to have so many shows and movies in which we see teens, you know, uh, discovering their sexuality and uh, coming out and having support and all of that, because it is, I think that that normalizes it, makes it so that not only the teens themselves and their peers, but also the parents who may end up watching it will say, oh, okay, it's not, it's nothing abnormal. This is just part of life. My kid may or may not, you know, be gay, maybe trans, maybe any other of these identities. And that's something that that matters um, because, again, art can influence real life in some very profound ways. But there hasn't been, I think, as much of representation of older people coming to these realizations at some point in their life. So for me, the, the big impact has been seeing these middle-aged people, particularly Steed, who was shoehorned into a hetero relationship and discovering that the reason that he was in discomfort in a married state wasn't because he was doing married life wrong or anything to do with Mary herself, which by the way, Mary, I think is a fantastic character. I think that anybody who sees Mary as an obstacle or as a bad person is not actually watching what's going on with Mary, but there's nothing that Mary or Steed are doing wrong. They're fundamentally incompatible because Steed is not straight and he's never had the opportunity to explore that because again, you know, he, he, he was born to be a very specific kind of person and he found a way to break out of that. And then in that self-liberation discovered that he wasn't meant for a straight relationship at all. So, Again, this is a middle-aged person going through something so important 
and it not being treated as a weird thing. You know, Mary doesn't laugh at him after he says that that the person that he loves is a he. She supports him. And that is huge to me because like he feels what he feels for Ed. He and Ed exchange that beautiful kiss and they plan to run away together. But that internalized, I think, part of the reason that he goes back to look for Mary isn't just his fear and isn't just that he feels like he's failed his family. I think part of it is an internalized concern that he is being a wrong kind of man by wanting to be with a man. So it takes him going back and reliving his life with Mary and Mary saying what she says to him for him to acknowledge that he's okay, that there's nothing wrong with being attracted to Ed and to, and for him to have feelings for Ed that he just feels love in the same way that Mary feels love for Doug. Um, that it's nothing off. It's beautiful. So once he has a realization, then he feels free to leave, but this time on less cowardly terms. And I think that that cowardice that he, uh, the, the cowardly way in which he ran off in the first place, I think has more to do with, again, being shoehorned into that life and not wanting to admit that he failed to fit the mold, but there's just it's it's such a complicated thing in his life. And again, it's very important that we see this play out in an older individual that you don't realize always that you're not straight when you're a teen, or that you may not have the vocabulary for it, or that you may not have the support to feel anything other than what. Not to feel anything other than what you feel, because you feel the feelings, but to have it feel like a normalized thing, like it's not something wrong, or particularly in the case of a of a bi identity, to feel like you don't have to pick a side. You know, it's like you're not not attracted to a particular you know set of people just because you're also attracted to another particular set of people. That you can be attracted to all of the people and it's still okay that there's nothing wrong with any of that. So yeah, it, it's, it's the, the having this not young dude be like, oh, okay, okay. So got it now. I understand myself more now and it being treated as a beautiful way to discover yourself at that point. And Meg? Yeah, I think one of the most important things as far as the representation in this show goes is it's is the joy. Um, there's not a lot of, and I think so much representation that we do see, and it's getting better than it was when, like, when we were younger. It felt like if you had an LGBTQIA plus character, they had to suffer. Like there had to be pain. There had to be something like coming out had to be scary and painful and wrong. And, and, and there had to be some kind of trauma that was associated with it. And I think one of the things I love so much about the representation of the show is there isn't that there it's, 
there's a bunch of what you would stereotypically call, you know, pirates, hyper-masculine men. And there's just, they're just happy. They're in relationships with each other. There's no weirdness. As soon as Jim says, I'm just Jim, and identifies themselves as non-binary, everyone everyone just uses their pronouns. And and it's not a big thing. They had that little conversation. Well, well, can I be Jim? Well, I like Jim, and and I kind of love it. After that, it's just it, it's not a big thing. Like Steed coming to the realization that he, like Carla said, that his issue wasn't with marriage. His issue was with who he was married to, through no fault of her own and no fault of his own. But not have not seeing that, not seeing that as a possibility, and I think him being on the revenge with this crew of people who are unashamedly queer and in relationships and giving him quote unquote permission that it's okay to be who he is and to fully be who he is. I think it's absolute. I think it's absolutely lovely. And I think that's part of what has resonated so much with people is any pain and trauma that these characters do go through has really nothing to do with the fact that they are LGBTQIA. I don't, want to speak like too much of it. I just know as the parent of, of a kid who is LGBTQIA plus, I'm just really excited to see more representation. I love the idea that these are middle-aged men. Um, I love that they really were like, screw historically accurate. And I'm so sick of seeing people criticize the show for not being historically accurate. There's just as much evidence that Steed Bonnet and Blackbeard were straight as there is that they were gay. Like there's, there's very little about these characters, these actual real life people. And frankly, like I said, Olamide wears Crocs and Blackbeard wears a bright purple H and M shirt. If historical accuracy is what you're looking for, then this show really isn't for you. But pirates did have marriages amongst each other on ships. It would, that, is something that existed. Yeah. And I'm going to butt in and say that the word matey, which we associate with mm-hmm. pirate speak comes from the French word, me- me- uh, which means a marriage between two men on a ship kind of thing. Yeah. So it's built into the, yeah. the lore. So I just, I, I love it. I love, like I said, anytime my kid gets to see themselves or representation um, of any kind on screen, I'm all for it and I love it. And I just, I think it's really important, like I said, to show how much joy and happiness there is, that it's not all pain. Being LGBTQIA plus is not only pain and only suffering and only trauma. So Susie. Yeah. I, like I've said before, I, I love the show and the amount of representation it has. Um, especially like I've mentioned with Jim, because growing up, you didn't really get like too much Latina characters. And if you did, they were mainly like stereotypical Latina characters. Like, gangbangers the mystical mexican (laughs) like or just like the housekeeper or stuff like that and so whenever you get anything different from that it's always like 
it's it's always really delightful because it's like, oh yeah, look, there are other more diverse stories that are out there worth being told. You guys just don't see them, but you get to see them now. And and we see that with Jim, and I really like that that it's this that they're a character that it's really that's really capable and and smart and you know just tough and amazing but they're also willing to be like vulnerable at times and one thing that i really liked about their development through this first season was they killed um like they're on this quest slight spoilers they're on this quest to kill like the roosters or the people that killed their parents and they 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 managed to kill a few of them but then they tell Lawande, I have to go complete this mission because I have to get revenge. And then later on, they end up having a conversation with Jackie where Jackie tells them, don't, don't be on this path of revenge. It's not good for you. Like, how old do you think I am? And they're like, oh, 40, 50, I'm 25. Oh, um, She's like, this is what revenge does to you. Like, no, just like you have a chance to be happy and to live a fulfilling life without being held down by all this anger and rage. And like, they're very highly encouraged to do that. And then they go back and they're like, I'm ready. Like, let's have as our version of a happy ending as possible. And let's be on the high seas together, you and I, d- causing chaos and wreaking havoc. <laughs> and I, I really like that for them. And as someone who doesn't get to see a lot of like Latina or like positive Latina or even like non-binary representation, seeing a story like that where the character isn't tragic and bound for for death, disease, or failure and seeing the possibility that there is of them being in a happy, fulfilling relationship with a partner who supports them. I, I love that. And I think that's something really wonderful. And those are mainly my personal thoughts on it. <laughs> Thank you, Susie. Thank you. Uh, and Tanya. So everything everyone has said is wonderful. I appreciate it. I wanted to add a couple things. I think what makes this story so great too, or this show is that you don't have one gay character or one gender nonconforming or diverse character. They're all, I would argue, different. Even the, even the straight cis characters get arcs or nuances to their character that are played really interestingly. And I think um, the the fact that a lot of the drama and the conflict comes not from that character's identity per se, as as the character grappling with the structure and the roles that society has given them. So to me, it's much more about the internalization or resistance to the internalization of a role expectation for that person. So if Steed does not want to be this person that society is telling him he, he should be Blackbeard does not want to be Blackbeard. He wants to be seen for who he is. Their attraction to someone of a same sex identity is a part of that, but it's not the only piece of that. It's not arguably, it's not even the most significant um, part of that. So I really, and even Mary, Mary getting to have the arc where she's, 
wanting to do her art. She's really not wanting to be in this marriage any more than Steed does. And she gets to have a fulfilling relationship that is not with Steed, right? And so I think that's some good storytelling that those those conflicts are with each other and between each other, but they're also really about that conflict between the individual and the social structure. And I think that's really what makes it a, a, an interesting show. And in terms of representation, um, I watching Jim and that character and not having seen a non-binary character that I could personally really identify with, it changed something in my head. <laughs> not, I'm not saying this show made me gay. Um, no, it's uh, seeing that represented helped me to understand my own identity and especially the relationship between Jim and Olawande reminding me of my relationship with my partner helped me to understand that, oh, oh, this makes sense. This is an identity that I can see myself on this spectrum. And also knowing that it's not necessarily um, one person's experience of being LGBT is not the same as another person's experience. It can differ. It's a diverse identity group and it can be different for each individual. You can realize this later in life, right? All of that really said something to me so much so that I came out and (laughs) realized I was non-binary at Comic-Con when talking about this show. So that's a very um, chaotic Sagittarius energy piece for you, I think. And then told my family, by the way, family. Um, yeah. And they, I mean, we'd had conversations about it, so it's not like it was a brand new um, news to them, but it just, it really made me understand things that I, I hadn't, hadn't fully fallen into place. So I appreciate this show for that, if, if nothing else, and, and all it's done for fans um, and everything you've said. I would say too, just to add about about Vico, the actor who plays Jim, I had the chance to meet them briefly, right, at Emerald City Comic Con, and they are wonderful. And I I'm not a person that always does photo ops and autographs because personally I'd rather enjoy other fans and um like larger panels and hearing discussions and things, but I wanted to support Vico because they added a day of of photos. So I, I chose to do a photo with them. And they asked every single person their name and their pronouns. Every single person. Hi, my and they're very, um, you know, Jim is a badass. And Jim is a character that rolled, um, you know, a natural 20 on dexterity and like a four on charisma. If you, if you, you know, that's Jim. Vico is I, I'm maybe dexterous, I can't speak to that. But Vico is a very high energy, silly, charismatic person. And it's so funny to see them in comparison to Jim, you can definitely see the through line. But it's, um, it's fun to see that that's craft, craftsman, craftspersonship, excuse me, craftspersonship. Um, right. And so they're just lovely. And they they and Samba at Emerald City Comic Con were just having a blast. And this is kind of some of their first experiences with a fandom response like that, which was fascinating to see. Uh, and then you've got Reese Darby in between them kind of being the dad and like trying to make sure they don't spoil anything for season two. And both of these two children over here, children, even though they're adults, were like barely containing themselves to tell a crowd of 4,000 people spoilers. And <laughs> You've got Reese Darby like, no, no, we can't, we can't do that. You know, so it's just this weird funny dynamic that you can tell that they they get along and have 
great relationships with one another. But yeah, just shout out to Vico for being awesome about that and being able to tell them my pronouns are she, they, and Jim helped me realize that. I didn't think I was going to say that to them. And they were like, oh my God, that's great. You know, and just, I mean, if I can do that at my age, just what does that mean to, to younger folks? Right. So great. Thank you for sharing that, Tanya. Really, thank you. And um, that's why this stuff is important. When people say this isn't important, that's why this is important. So thank you so much for sharing that. I I really appreciate it. One thing that I I just will add uh, with the representation and the importance of it in this show, especially, is people love to say that LGBTQIA plus is a new phenomenon and it's not. So people love to say this is something that's being shoved down people's throats and this, you know, and 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 people love to say that there were, people were not non-binary and there were no trans people and there were no gay people and there were no lesbians, there were no bisexuals and down the line before, you know, the like 90s and 2000s pretty much is what people like to say. And so being able to see the existence and the representation in a time period long, long, long ago, and having those people being accepted and represented well and written well is huge because it's saying this is, you know, people have existed in all manner for all time. And so it's very important to see representation in every single form of media, every single time period. And I don't care if you shout, this is fiction. This is not fiction. I mean, I mean yes, there are fictional aspects to this, of course, because we're not going to know where. But this is not fiction that there were people within the LGBTQIA plus community since time began. So it's not fictional. And so it's very, very important to, to see that. So, yeah. Tanya mentioned that there have been historically documented gender-confirming surgeries from way, way back, ancient Greece, for example. Yeah, and, and I do recommend, once again, I recommended it last week, but go watch the documentary Disclosure, which is all about the history of trans representation within media. And it's very, very important because they do, I mean, it's trans representation, good and bad, ha- and most of it's been bad, has been around forever too. So, um, but having really positive non-binary representation too is so incredible. And just, and having also with having two, like you said, Carla, people later on in stages of their life, realizing who they are, and then also having the two men that I'm I'm not saying these men are not attractive. I'm just saying that usually when you have two male characters in a show like this, that would be the two leads that are going to have a romantic relationship. Both of them would be like 20 year olds and fit a particular mold. And the fact that they don't, that Reese Darby and Taika Waititi, who are both very attractive men, but the fact that they are not in this mold of like, quote unquote, beefcake kind of thing is also very important to see too. So yeah, I just love I I appreciate that. Thank you for saying that not to jump in. But I think that's great. As a person who continues to get older, 
Uh, I love that <laughs> older people are having their time and like, let's have older non-binary and, and older femme leaning people also be thirsted after in me. No, I don't know if I want that or not, but anyway, whatever. Getting older is definitely better than the alternative though. Yes. Yes. <laughs> right. Right. I would not want. But I love that. I mean, As a person who who can resist the the, the passage of time, no matter what. <laughs> yes, and uh, I think the I got a shout out though too for for Steed being looking like raw chicken. You know oh when God. he's sick, he's half dead. When I mean he looks like a piece of he looks rough, and Ed is still like. Wow, this guy's interesting. Like, and the yes. fact that that Ed likes him or is a, is interested, intrigued by him before he even meets mm -hmm. him, I think that like it's almost like dating apps, right? Where you like sort of, <laughs> you hear about this person. Wow, somebody told me to go suck eggs in hell. Huh? <laughs> I gotta meet them. Red that bio was all over it. <laughs> yeah, I love their. I love Black Bonnet. We can go on, but I think it's so great that they get to have that kind of friendship, friends to enemies, to friends, to, um, you know, to, I guess, romantic. And then I think it's something to be said really quick that this is more relevant, I promise. Um, you know, I kept thinking they're setting these two up, mm -hmm. right? They're setting them up as a couple. Like, clearly, they like each other. And then the moonlight and like the scene where you people would have kissed, it's like they almost kissed. But I didn't want to buy into it mm -hmm. because I watched this when it first came out and we have been led down that path. We being fans so many times, and I'm talking about queer baiting and whether or not you agree that shows do that, or we, I'm not necessarily here to have a debate shows definitely do that. They definitely do it on purpose. Um, yes. And the fact that this show almost got dismissed by folks because they didn't want to be led that way again. And then to have them go surprise everybody's, queer <laughs> you know what a way and i i love that they didn't bill it as a queer show they just build it as this rom-com right because that also normalizes yes. it yeah that's what it was pitched as yeah on last week's episode about representation i i mentioned something about that the fact that this show came right as we were you know spinning our wheels like a, a lot of people who watched the show came also from supernatural mm -hmm. fandom. And we were, a lot of us were still reeling over the Destiel esque finale that just reinforced the fact that it was queer baiting all along. So there's, there was a, a very big and real fear going into this that we were going to have the rug pulled out from under us yet again. And to have the show not only not do that, but to double down and say, you're not seeing things. This is real. It was, it, it just, I, I know a lot of us felt like crying yeah. because it was uh, a complete 180 from what we had just been handed. Yeah. And that was, I know a lot of people who, because I was watching the show as it, I was, as it was coming out and I felt exactly the same way. I was like, I was like, are they like, though, do you wear fine things well in the moonlight? Like this very heavily romantic tropes that were, or heavy romantic tropes that we're seeing between steed and ed and it was one of those things where it's like i don't like i see it but like i don't want to get my hopes up because even when they quote unquote gave us destiel it was such a terrible bait and switch that like 
it it made it hard to trust a a lot of stuff if I'm being totally honest and like even Absolutely. even like cast members with Supernatural with Misha Collins being like you're not seeing anything you're not crazy for seeing this and then have it be like just kidding he's dead and Dean's never gonna mention him again I guess spoilers for Supernatural but I mean whatever <laughs> I feel like everyone knows <laughs> to have like. Even as they're sitting on the beach talking and he is saying, I guess what makes Ed happy is you. I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, it's not, it's not going to happen. I was Lucius sitting there like, oh my God, is it happening? (laughs) Like, they were so cute. The, the like jealous with Calico Jack and being like, are you guys buggering? It's, hey, you know, we did it too a little bit. And like that jealousy and, and I was so afraid with that too. Cause like, well, I guess, you know, you could play it off as being like, he's just jealous because he doesn't like who his friend is with this friend. It's like, no, he's jealous because he does romantically. And, and, and to be told, nope, you're not crazy. You're not seeing things. This is exactly what we were planning on doing this whole time is, was such a relief. And I feel like that's why I became so obsessed with the show. If I'm being completely honest about it was, it was just like, to be so validated in what you're seeing on the screen and not, not being like, well, I mean, everyone can interpret it how they want. I love that so much. I also thought it was very, very funny that Ed and Steed kissing was the line that some homophobes <laughs> drew in the sand. <laughs> like they were, they loved the show until Ed and Steed kiss. And, and they're like, then it was too gay and too woke. And I'm like, have you not been watching the other eight episodes of the show leading up to this? Everybody is gay. <laughs> so yeah, except for who knows what buttons identifies us but but yeah like i think it identifies as a as a seagull at this point (laughs) (laughs) i was was like what is the word for that when you identify with yeah (laughs) i don't i didn't want to be rude but yeah character in the entire (laughs) (laughs) we barely knew you i had to put subtitles on because i couldn't understand you and bremer bless him um but yeah it was uh once once calico jack showed up i was like okay they're doing it they're yeah and in the the bit with lucius and the that's my favorite oh taika waititi or as ed fake getting like killing the snake i oh my god about peed my pants i probably did pee my pants a little i'm over 40 let's be honest yeah right (laughs) I have that same shirt in black. Yes, I, I'm pointing to my my shirt that says Blackbeard's Bar and Grill and Delicacies and Delights and uh, Fishing Equipment. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably that's my favorite scene. But yeah, I like when Calico Jack showed up and I was like, yep, they are. But I, I couldn't believe it. I just I couldn't let myself get invested. And just to be hurt because the whole Destiel thing was it hurt like more it was brutal more than probably any situation brutal. i'd had in in entertainment or anything like that the way they toyed with fans for so long and then like here mm-hmm. we're going to give it to you we're going we're going to just kidding just kidding you were crazy the whole time so yeah we had like it was like 10 maybe like 10 plus years of just mm-hmm. being baited and you get that. Gu- That's why, like, I initially, when I was gonna, I initially did not watch the show, like, F- Our Flag Means Death when it came out, because I was scared that that's what they would also do. And it wasn't until, like, I saw this set on Tumblr that said, Oh my God, the pirates kissed. And I went, Okay, I'm gonna watch it now. Cause at least now my fears, <laughs> like, 
are not like they're not going to be confirmed and when that scene came up i was still surprised anyway because i was like oh my god they're kissing and that's the, that's the honestly the saddest thing to have to feel that way at all because we have been primed for that for so long to have our um what we see played up for views and then being told that where that were whether or not what we see is real it doesn't matter because they're not going to give it to us period they were never intending on giving it to mm-hmm. us and that that's a disgusting manipulation that hopefully will die soon i just wanted to add too i think what just to contextualize this show too it got really popular last spring and last summer and this is during the time when roe was overturned and during a historic time of over 500 anti-trans and LGBTQ bills introduced to state legislature in the last year. So I think it's important to kind of add the, um, it, this is a, a silly pirate show, but it's incredibly brave to have that representation and to just be like zero fucks given about it, frankly, in this climate right now. And so I think a lot of why we all latched on to this so much was, um, as you said, Meg, I think you identified this theme of queer joy and we need that. We need that light and that, that, um, something to, to hold on to in this time of really politically dangerous legislation for folks like who's, whose identities are not just not recognized, but are actively being targeted. Yes. So, so true. And before we move on to the next thing, I did want to add a couple of other things that um, I think are important too. And then uh, the the second one is for any um, studio heads, producers, anybody out there thinking they should just still continue to queer bait. And if you, since this business is all about money, I'll add this other thing, but uh, this was a pitched. This was pitched, according to series creator David Jenkins, as a historical pirate rom com. So it was pitched as a rom com, and then following the release of the last two episodes, and you have the kiss in episode nine. So following the release of the last two episodes, the show spent seven consecutive weeks at number one on the list of most in demand series in the United States, surpassing highly anticipated content from both Marvel and Apple. It eventually dropped to number two after Star Trek Strange New Worlds premiered, but went to number one again the following week, narrowly defeating the premiere of Obi-Wan Kenobi. So I want to add that because if you're thinking, because that's that's the argument is you're not going to make money or whatever, but Hollywood is a business. So remember that. So I just, I wanted to make sure to mention that because it is, since you're all about money, Look at that. <laughs> Those numbers right there don't lie. What's so awesome about that too is like, and it's it's terrible, but it, it is awesome at the end, is HBO did no publicity for this show. There, I didn't see a trailer. I didn't hear anything about it because I have been a fan of like Flight of the Concords. I've, I've liked Reese Darby and, and Taika Waititi for a long time. I didn't hear really anything about this show until people started talking about it so much. And I think that that being so successful in the show through word of mouth should really be a wake up call to a lot of, to studios that this is a story that people are wanting. People want these kinds of stories. They want this representation. And the fact that they 
became so popular. Like the, the popularity and the word of mouth and the talking about it is the entire reason our flag means death got a season two. I think HBO would have happily quietly just let it die out because they did no, there was nothing. I heard nothing about this show until I can't remember a friend of mine was just talking about the gay pirate show. And I was like, Ooh, what's that? That was, that was not you, Carla. Was it? I don't know. <laughs> How dare you? This is erasure. This is by erasure, Meg. By erasure. <laughs> well, I do have to say Bex on the episode. And I yeah. think you both were on was mentioning the gay pirate show on there too. So I don't know. I mean, I'm just, I mean, there, there was I a time we were all talking about it pretty relentlessly for quite a while, but I just, I, Okay, but did you pull off the best practical joke of all time, which was sending your adult son who loves Calico Jack, he's a weirdo, <laughs> a, who had to be alone for Christmas, a Calico Jack body pillow, a case of seaweed, a whip, and some rum? Did you pull that off? Was that your... No, I'm kidding. But yeah, I, I, no, I'm not kidding. I really did that, but I'm giving you shit is what I mean. Not, that is amazing. Not judging Are you a real fan? Huh? I'm a, are, you don't know the lore. Matey actually means two people together. No, I'm just like, I can't wait to pull that out. Carla, you don't know the lore about pirates. They were super gay. Um, and here's the lore. Anyway, and gay I love this. Super democratic. Tweet, you know, the whole gatekeeping stuff about fandom. I love, I don't know if you saw this tweet about the Barbie movie, something about we should make all these people watch. All, but people need to watch all the animated Barbies <laughs> and Barbie Dreamhouse, like making people watch all that. Like you make people watch if they just want to watch one MCU. No, you got to watch all. You the, can't understand okay. the universe if yeah. you don't watch. You, if all you of don't it. know, if you don't know Bibble, you don't know shit. <laughs> you need to know Bibble. Like if you're gonna, I don't care if Bibble's in the movie or not. You need to know who Bibble is. <laughs> so shout out to that brilliant person on Twitter who I don't recall their handle. But yeah. yeah. I really yeah. hope that Ryan Gosling, in preparation for Ken, watched the whole like oh Barbie God. Life in the Dreamhouse series. Yeah. Because that is like peak Ken behavior. Like, yes. <laughs> I would not be surprised if he did. <laughs> I like people trying to gatekeep he's too old to be Ken. I'm like, oh, what? Yeah. Come on. I think you were tweeting about that or posting Ken's like about 70. It. What are they talking about? I posted that on Facebook. He had a yeah. great response to that of basically like um, Ken has meant basically nothing in the Barbie universe. Ken has been a nothing entity. He kind of just poked fun at it and said, I'm here to represent Ken, who has been basically treated as a nothing character for so long. So I don't and know. And I promise, anyway. I promise this is connected because I, young person Tanya, would totally have played Our Flag Means Death with, with the Barbies. Like they would have all been on the show. <laughs> All my Barbies basically had an island of horses together and there were no men allowed. So it was, <laughs> that's what they did. That That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that is good Barbie that's play. That show. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped. 
The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX is clipped. Now streaming only on Hulu. Okay, well, now I want to move on and just ask you what you want to see in season two, Carla. Okay, picture this. All right. First of all, the Siete Gallos, not all dead, despite what Jackie predicts. There are now Cinco Gallos. And the Cinco Gallos are set on revenge against Jim because they miss their other two Gallos Muertos. All right. So, but now not only are they upset at Jim, they're also upset at Jackie because Jackie did kill one of those other gallos. So, Cinco Gallos contra Jackie La Española y Jim. All right. So, uh, Jim and Jackie have to team up to go up against the Cinco Gallos and they, uh, go to Nana's and hide out and regroup. And get their orange on so that they don't get scurvy. And then they come up with a brilliant plan to catch and just that remaining cinco. Okay. So it becomes like this amazing side quest for Jim and Jackie because we want more Jackie. Okay. Like Leslie Jones, amazing. I was so pleased and just mind blown when I saw Leslie Jones and I want more of that. Then what happens with the rest? Okay. People want uh, Ed and Steed to get back together right away. I don't. The reason why, how do you solve that in the space of an episode? You don't. Ed is crushed. Ed is hurting. Ed is a very proud pirate and is not going to Ed is too dramatic to be like okay cool we're fine think David Rose after Patrick uh, re- after it was revealed that Patrick had a fiance did David Rose get back together with Patrick right away despite the fact that Patrick was sending flowers and giant cookies no David took a couple of episodes and a lot of gifts and then they got back together so despite the fact that Steed had really deep and emotional and very important reasons to go through what he needed to go through to come back to Ed, a whole person, Ed's going to be very dramatic about it. And I welcome it. I'm looking forward to it because I need it. I need the angst. I need the, the, the lovers who are right now at odds and I don't know quite how uh, Steve is going to rescue all of those people on that tiny little dinghy that he brought up to that to that very convenient island that is apparently like the sea is apparently very small where they are. Because how was it that, oh, Ed is just going to like strand them on this island and oh, Steve just happens to come up across that same island super duper fast to the point where nobody's even really dehydrated. All right, come on. Anyway, it must be really close to shore because he just ferries them back and everybody rehydrates and eats, regroups, gets a new boat. Everything's fine. And on top of it, you come to find that the reason that there's not so much space on the boat is because Steed rescued Lucius, who is unconscious at the bottom of this tiny little dinghy, which is why Lucius didn't just pop up and be like, hey, guys, guess what happened to me? So that because I refuse to believe that Lucius is dead. 
if Lucius is dead, I will riot for 13 seconds and then come back and keep watching because I can't not watch despite the fact that my beloved Lucius is, I don't know, sea chowder. Then um, other things that happen are that, um, well, now they're really screwed because the the English are not very um, cool with like, hey, we forgave you guys kind of and you ran off. So they're going to have this whole thing with the English. Oh, no, I'm coming after you in my giant other boat because we have other vessels because we are a giant navy and you have two small boats. And now, Steve, you have no money to commission a new giant boat. And Steve will be like, oh, no, I forgot that I gave all my money to Mary. And so he goes back to Mary, who is like, okay, I'll finance you another boat. And Steve's like, awesome. Thank you, darling. So that's how we get Mary back for a little bit. Um, and then other things happen, I'm sure. I <laughs> I love that you are talking about Blackbeard. You want to see him be dramatic when he literally threw the whole crew off the boat. Like, well, figuratively threw the whole crew off the boat. Literally threw Lucius off the boat. He he is already drama yes. personified. Oh, he no, no, no. But so what I'm saying emo. is that people are like, is that there are people who are like, oh, I want them to get back together right away. It's not going to happen. He is too much drama. I, I See, I don't want them to get back together right away, but I don't want to be like teased and have to wait for it. For I don't want them to be at odds for the whole season or anything like that. I, like, I love my angst. I do, but I also, they're just, I just want to see them happy together. But I just think it's so funny. Like, it's going to be dramatic as if the man didn't build himself a blanket for it with fire with a candle inside his blanket fort full of pillows, cut off Izzy's toe and like painted his his little black face stuff and then cry looking at a painting, which, by the way, breaks my heart every single time I see it. And then I rewind it to watch it again because I am a slut for angst. I do love it. Um, I can't wait to see more fuckery. I cannot wait for all of that. Things I would like to see aside from everyone reuniting and eventually being happy together. Um, I would love to see how the crew is going to be feeling about Blackbeard when they inevitably get together after he deserted them. The British are obviously not going to be thrilled about two pirate deserters leaving although i thought it was really funny they all just let steed go back to his life and like live for a little while before he's dead so steed's dead so they're not gonna go crazy for him but blackbeard's out there still i really want to see Anne, bonnie and mary reed make an appearance on this show um the real like the the real lesbian pirates or whatever the actual historical figures um, I would love to see them come across just because I would like to see more women on the show. If I'm being perfectly honest, I understand it's a pirate ship, but there were women pirates and seeing more Spanish Jackie would be awesome. I would love to meet more of her husbands. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't have like a whole story. Like I, I, I surprised Carla didn't like have it storyboarded when she like popped up with all of her. <laughs> stuff we simply don't have a kind of time we don't have that time if this was a live stream carla would have everything she would have um but no i'm just i'm mostly just really excited to see more i want to see jim and Ella one day uh, lucius is not dead i refuse to believe that lucius is dead and i want to see him and black pete reunite i hope he still has his finger and if he doesn't i hope black pete makes someone that looks less like a thumb 
but I'm just, yeah, mostly I'm just really, really excited to see it come back. And Susie. Yeah. Um, so I, like, I, I refuse to, I also refuse to believe Lucius is dead. I think it would be really funny if it was revealed that he's been living in the walls of the ship this entire time, as we know that there are secret passages, and that he's just been driving Blackbeard yes! crazy, like, pulling off various shenanigans, <laughs> like, pretending to be a ghost. I feel like that would be so funny. And he's just like, oh, oh, your teacup's missing. Who did that? Oh, your sword is gone and it's over here now. <laughs> like, I just think that would be so funny. I like I don't have like a whole storyboarded thing like Carla presented. Uh, <laughs> but I think it'd be cool if we if it turns out that Steed and the rest of the crew of the Revenge ended up just getting like a second boat and they're just playing like this weird game of tag or something with Blackbeard's. <laughs> With the original Revenge, trying to catch up to him. Um, I would love it, though, if, like, I don't think they would have them get back together immediately. I think they would either save that for, like, the middle of the season or maybe possibly the end and leave room for a path towards reconciliation. Because it did hurt Blackbeard a lot that Steed did not show up on on that dog. It was really sad. I was really sad. But I would love it if there was like a choreographed like sword fight scene, like in the in-between Steed was working on his sword fighting skills even more. And they have a sword fighting scene set to some sort of like fun song, like lay all your love on me or something. Like, I feel like that'd be great. It's, it's like, I feel like that'd be lots of fun. Just, like Some more Fleetwood Mac in there. Some more Fleetwood Mac. Yes. Have some, they throw an edge of 17. I would love that. <laughs> but I'm just kind of more so excited about like maybe what new characters will we see? What's What are they going to get up to? What's going to happen? I'm excited to see what's going to happen and, and see what new stories they're going to tell or how they're going to progress this. It's going to be really awesome. And Tanya? Yeah, I agree with what everyone has said. I, I love the fan theory that Lucius, Luscious Lucius hid in the walls of the Revenge and haunted Ed. Um, I am looking forward to the cameos. As Meg said in our in our chat, how could how have we not mentioned Nick Crawl and Kristen Shaw? Um, my gosh, yeah, that was so funny. That's part of why that's my favorite. Um, one of my favorite episodes. And maybe Pedro Pascal, I, I'm going to steal it, Meg, is one of Siete <laughs> Day. Yeah, one of them. Yes, that'd be great. Um, but I, I agree with the with the more feminine energy. I would love Lucy Lawless to have a cameo. Maybe Jermaine Clement. That would be great. Like get get some of the New Zealanders back on there. I think that would be fantastic. And I love the fan theory that, okay, we've killed two badmintons, but it's just Rory Kinnear as like a third badminton or his wife or his kid. And it's still the same actor, like, uh, like Colin Robinson onto a tiny body or like all the bad guys are always Rory Kinnear. I would love that to happen. I, I know it's a fan joke, but I just, it's so good. I laugh so hard every time I think about that, but I think the bad guys will be fun and I'm just looking forward to the cameos. It's going to be great. Awesome. Well, I will just say ditto to more women on the show. I would love to see more women on the show. So I'm going to second what Meg said there. 
and ditto to a lot of what has been said already. So, and I, I agree. I think it would be better if it wasn't like an instant reunion. It would make more sense. It would also build up more um, sexual tension that can be relieved later. I'm not saying, I'm not trying to be like gross and graphic there. I'm just saying, I just think that would, I don't know, a release later. So yes. And there's, I mean, Blackbeard is hurt. So there is some time also to deal with that too. So. Okay. Well, we're going to go ahead and I don't know of anyone else. I know Susie is kind of required to do six degrees of Finn because she's part of my Finn crew, but did Meg has one? No. Okay. So we'll go with Meg's first because of alphabetical. So Meg, how did you connect Finn Whitrock to our flag means death? So Reese Darby was in Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, which he's fantastic in that movie. Uh, with Karen Gillan, who was in the big short with Finn Rack. Boom. Boom. I don't even need to look it up, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Thank you. And Meg and Susie both have done the best ones in the past. I mean, Meg had the Dungeons and Daddies, and Susie has the best all-time one of connecting, connecting Finn through his very first stage performance. And I think Susie did a great one that become a Patreon supporter for as little as three bucks a month. And you can hear it. We did a special one for our Renfield bonus episode that's coming out. So you can hear that special connection because I believe it was on that one. Maybe I'm wrong, Susie, but um, you can correct me. It might have been the last time you were. No, no, it was on um, it was on um, Abbott Elementary. Sorry. So Susie, how did you connect Finn to Our Flag Means Death? Yeah, you know, sometimes you could go right on the American Horror Story route, and I try to avoid that, because I go, ah, all right, we're starting off with Vic Ortiz, played Jim. They were, they're in this web series called SOC, Soldados o Zombies, with Sergio Peris Mencheta, who was in Resident Evil Afterlife, with Ali Larder, who was in Legally Blonde, with Jennifer Coolidge. She was in Zoolander, with one of the Skarsgård children, Alexander to be precise. He was in Battleship with Hamish Linklater. And he was in A Midsummer Night's Dream with Finn. <laughs> that was great. I especially love that you love the Hamish Linklater because, and they're, and they're going to be speaking of that, and we will probably do some kind of special thing for it. F- Finn is in a lot of upcoming projects, by the way. He's been cast in a lot of things. And, um, Himish Linklater and um, Lily Rabe, they're partners in real life. And they, uh, I think they both directed it, but they're they're in Downtown Owl, which is this movie coming out. And Finn Whitrock is in that too. Because I know they're the three of them are really, really good friends. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know how he has all this time while he's wrapping up Stranger Things. But that's <laughs> impressive. Well, Stranger Things has been put on hold because of the writing. <laughs> so you can fit that in as a joke yeah. that it's, yes. <laughs> don't worry we all know that finn is not in stranger things for oh. listeners who haven't heard me for many many months i confused who this person was with the one who's on stranger things so <laughs> no, that's that would have been very creepy if i would have been like that yes, and then just to clarify once again not that one no not not that young actor no but so Finn we Wolfhard, that's his name. I was trying to figure out. I was like, it's Finn something. <laughs> See, it's Some... two syllables, and the first name's Finn. Yeah. Close enough. 
someday, and I'm sure we could even use it in this one, someday we'll have to connect. Oh my God, thank you. Yes, please do that. I have to connect the two. So mine really quickly is, um, and it's using the big short again, but is Taika Waititi, of course, directed Love and Thunder. I must have said something else. And in that was, um, of course, Christian Bale, who was in the big short with Finn. Okay, well, we're going to go ahead and close out, and I'm going to go around and have my panelists say where they can be found and their podcast, Carla. Yes, thank you for asking, Erin. As usual, Bedwater Bedhead Pod can be found wherever you get your podcasts. And also some places where you might think, oh, hey, I don't know that there's a podcast here, like a place called, you know, although you should because it's called Good Pods. And then there's Pod Chaser, and we are on both. So, you know, and you can find other podcasts there that are also great. Not as great as Bedwater Bedhead, but not bad either. You can find our online presence on Twitter at bedwetbeheadpod. You can find us on Instagram at bed.wet.behead.pod. On TikTok, you can find us at bedwetbeheadpod. You can find me and my art and my musings at Carlatemis on Instagram or my website, C-A-R-L-A-T-E-M-I-S.com. Awesome. And Meg? You can find me by the pool. No, you can. <laughs> I just want to say I'm very proud of us for not going six hours long with this because I feel like all of us could talk about this show forever. Uh, but you can find me on all the socials pretty much at Wisconsin Act, W-I-S-C-O-N-S-E-N-N-A-C-H. And that name is Carla's fault. And Susie? Yeah, I can be found on the grams at at the underscore crafting underscore cryptid and in my bio is linked my dog benny's instagram at benny underscore pelucita and my portfolio slash business account um at seguras and dejas costuming and i can also be found on the twitters the the that that fun little blue bird and all its chaos at suzy q underscore sc thank you and tanya yeah, you can find me paying $8 to look at a room of stuff that someone thinks Bigfoot touched in Oregon off a highway. Or next month, later this summer, seriously, you can find me at San Diego Comic-Con. I will be on a panel about Our Flag Means Death called Ships on Ships, which is very fun, um, Which where we talk about the um, relationships we like on the show and the representation. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at AK Nerdfighting, where I post a lot of our flag stuff. And I'm looking at the fandom and especially the charity work involved in the fandom. And our next book, our first book is uh, uh, Fandom Acts of Kindness. And no, yes, that's what it's called. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm not tired. Jeez, I wrote a book, I promise. And I'm working on a second book that is an edited volume that is about our flag means death. And so if you want to find out more about that, follow us on Twitter and we'll be sharing more info about that as we have it. Awesome. Thank you. And this is Erin. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod on Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one on Instagram. at It's a fandom thing pod on TikTok at It's a Fandom Thing Pod. If you have any feedback, show notes, if you'd like to be a potential interview guest on the show, please feel free to reach out to us via our website, it's a fandomthingpod.com. Click the contact us button there and I will get back to you as soon as I can. 
And if you would like to support the show monetarily, you can head on over to our Patreon and become a Patreon supporter for as little as three bucks a month. You will get ad-free episodes. So if you've been hearing ads in this episode, you would not hear them. If you become a Patreon supporter, you also will get great bonus content, such as, like I said, Renfield will be coming out. We recently did a commentary track for Office Space featuring Tanya. Uh, Tanya and I did a episode talking about the menu as well. Um, Carla and I did an episode about the Banshees of Inisherin. We also did an episode featuring Meg with about the Winchesters. We've done a ton of others. Meg and I also talked about Notting Hill. And there are a bunch of other stuff that's coming your way too. Oh, we did Cocaine Bear on there too. So um, head on over to the link in our bio or you can go or in our show notes or you can go to the website, click ways to support and go there. No, we did not do cocaine, Tanya. <laughs> we actually could tell we've never done cocaine by the way we talked about it. But you can also, if you're looking for another way to support, you can buy us a coffee. You can head on over to our Redbubble store, pick up some merch, including it's a Findom thing. It's a Destiel thing. It's a fanfic thing. It's a Christian effing Bale thing. You can pick up some merch there. Or if you want to support us, not financially, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on Apple or on iTunes or on Spotify. I don't think people realize you can do that on Spotify too. And then please retweet us, share us. That's the best thing you can do. Tell your friends about us. That would be absolutely awesome. So thank you so much. And next week we are doing our annual, we're kicking off our annual two-week thing of talking about Queer as Folk because every year during Pride we talk about Queer as Folk. And so we are going to be talking about the characters of Mel and Lindsay. And then the following week, we're going to talk about Deb and Vic. So until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate. Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's nyx.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's knix.com. Hey, are you a super fan of Taylor Swift, Jelly Roll, or Morgan Wallen? Are you that song nerd who likes to dive into every little lyric of every little song and figure out what everything means? Do you want to take that a bit further, though? Because I have a podcast called Songwriter Soup, and it dives into the journey of a songwriter and how those people help craft the soundtrack of your life. I'm Laura Veltz, and I'm bringing all of my friends together to discuss our funny little job writing for all of your favorite artists. Listen to Songwriter Soup wherever you get your podcasts.